Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hello and everyone, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Jackie Huggins and Nairi Jarrow are sisters from the Bidjara and Birigubadjura nations. Jackie works in academia, government and the community, while Nairi earned a double degree in early childhood education and has been a teacher for over 26 years. Together, they've written a biography and affectionate portrait of their father titled Jack of Hearts QX11594. Jackie and Nairi, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you. It's 80 years since Jack Huggins joined the AIF as number QX11594, and he was one of only 50 Indigenous men to have been subjected to the horrors of the Thai Burma Railway. But Jack of Hearts, of course, is not only the story of an Indigenous serviceman, but also the story of a remarkable man. What prompted you to start this project? We didn't really know a lot about our father because he passed away when we were only young. I was three, Jackie was two, and our brother was only four months old. And we had an older sister who was eight. Um, yes, and we didn't really know much about him. So we wanted to, um, yeah, find out more, I guess. And how did you go about that? Uh, the process that began this was that um, uh, we knew um, memories from our mother who, by the way, spoke about him every single day of our lives. Uh, our mum uh, really had him very present in our lives. So we felt we'd grown up with him uh, in a very uh, real sense. Um, also, you know, his military history and that of our, uh, our grandfather. Um, he was uh, in the World War I, Egypt, France and Belgium that um, Grandfather Huggins served at. And uh, so father followed the tradition and um, uh, served in World War II up on the, um, uh, the death railway. So obviously there were military history uh, records that we could research and uh, try to find out, you know, where he went in terms of uh, the track to the railway. But those records, some of them are very scarce and very kind of scant. But uh, nevertheless, we did our best to um, insert that historical but that factual phase of uh, our oral history story uh, as well about our father. Now if I can talk about that oral history tradition which is a very strong part of your your heritage now is that helpful or sometimes a hindrance to gathering information? I think it was um, very helpful because the stories that we got from people who had known him um, most of them had passed away but there were people um, generations, their younger children, uh, they grew up with him and they could remember him from, and they're all in their 70s, 80s now, so um, they they remembered what he was like as he was growing up. So, but, um, as, a, as a person who's been trained in history myself, I love the mix of oral history and um, documented written history as well, which is really important. And when you combine the two, um, it's, it adds a very rich flavour. I must say, I do prefer the oral, but, you know, you back it up with the, uh, with the yeah. written, 
the evidence, yeah, with the um, uh, written evidence. And uh, it's really quite alarming. If I could tell you a, a quick story. Our mother said that our grandfather actually had uh, um, had been wounded twice in World War One, And I've, I thought back then, you know, pretty fanciful, yeah, sure. You know what? We found the records. <laughs> and he had. <laughs> yeah, he had been wounded in the calf and then wounded in the shoulder. So, um, yeah, it was amazing. Mm. It's great. I, I suppose it's really good to find the correlation between a family story and the documentation yes. of that event or those events. Right. must be very satisfying. It's like gold. gold. <laughs> yeah. I want to turn for a moment back to Jack or John Henry Huggins III as his full title. He was also one of the first, if not the first, lifesaver at the Rita Island Surf Club and then the Air Surf Life Saving Club. Tell me about Jack Huggins, the young man, and how World War II changed his life. Yeah, it was very unusual for him to be living in air at that time um, when most other Aboriginal people were under the Act so we found that very, very interesting. But he was living up there as an only child in air and grew up there, had lots of mates and um, went to school there. And um, that's how he became involved in the, uh, the life-saving in air and, um, and played football. So he had many mates. And it um, was a very sad fact when he came back from war um, to find he... Our grandfather passed away when he was over there, but when he didn't know that his mother passed away. So when he came back, luckily he had lots of mates that he grew up with and they sort of took him in. He had no other family. It's interesting when we think about Indigenous servicemen, Indigenous people going to war, and I always wonder when Indigenous people have been treated so badly under the so-called Aboriginal Protection Acts, and you even ask the question yourself, why did they go to war when they weren't even citizens of their own country? How do you explain that? How do you explain that dedication? Well, that is probably one of the motivations why we wrote the book as well, to try to find out for us, you know, why he went to war and why our grandfather uh, went, went to war as well. Um, but there's all kinds of reasons about was it for uh, wages, was it for regalia, was it for, um, you know, uh, love of country and, and fighting uh, through that. Um, but um, we believe that our father uh, very much uh, wanted to follow in the footsteps of his, mm. of his father, who he adored, and um, uh, that's, that's why uh, he went. Um, and we, we looked at all the other soldiers and that's been the question. Um, and it hasn't really, I don't think, um, been resolved about why they actually went. But we can only surmise that it was, uh, you know, due to his father going. And when Jack returned from the war after having spent some time on the Burma Railway, um, and a miracle in a sense that he did survive, what was Jack's reception like when he returned? And what had changed? Had attitudes changed? Were they treated differently uh, as a result of their service to their country? Well, our father was um, quite, um, uh, quite different to other soldiers, we believe, um, because... Uh, you know, he was treated uh, with respect and with honour when he came home. Um, it could be that, 
you know, his family were not under the Act, that they were free people, as we call them, in air, um, North Queensland. Um, but he was allowed, unlike other, other Aboriginal soldiers and service men and women, he was allowed into RSL clubs, into pubs, into public places um, and welcomed there, which is an anomaly really when you consider uh, all the other, uh, well, most of the other um, uh, families who we spoke to for the book uh, had a, quite a different experience where, um, you know, that they were denied entry, uh, denied services and uh, unable to be, you know, treated, were really treated like second-class citizens. So in that way, um, it was amazing how he'd escaped all that. In 2019, you yourselves took a trip to the bridge on the River Kwai, a very famous World War II landmark. What was that experience like and how did it inform your understanding of the life of Jack Huggins? Oh, it, was, it was very special. Um, we were walking in our father's footsteps, seeing the places that he'd been to, and our mother had talked so much about and just 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 that experience of being there where he had walked. It was very special. There's a very strong tradition, I think, and you say this in the book, to want to, to walk in his place. You actually made some discoveries on that trip too. You visited the uh, Thai Burma Railway Centre, which has a personnel database. What did you find there? Oh, we found his war records. He went all the way over there in Burma and they actually had a database in this museum. And, um, yeah, just to find that was like a gem to see where he was, with the places he had been to. It was all documented right over there. And um, we, we hadn't found anything here in Australia, did we? No. So um, that was a gem, seeing that. There were some very precious finds there. Mm. And it's a, great, it's a great museum, you know, where lots of Australians go to when they do those trips to um, the railway. Mm. I also want to talk about you as sisters and your early lives. And there's a nice quote there in the book. Our early lives usually dictate the lessons we share in later life. Our parents are our first teachers. Now, that's a wonderful gem of wisdom. Growing up without a father was very hard for us, but um, just having our strong-willed mother who kept his memory alive, um, we didn't feel like we were missing out. We'd see other kids with their dads and, you know, he wasn't there, but he was always, he was always with us. We've always been close, but writing this book together has made us even closer, hey? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. And you talk about Jack always being with you, and Jack really recognised the importance of education, and he was astute enough to realise that a life outside an Aboriginal community offered better educational opportunities. What effect did that have on your own attitude to education and your education itself? Well, all of us, um, uh, Nari, myself and our, our boys, um, uh, have university educations, which is uh, fabulous. And, uh, of course, we're very proud of the fact that um, uh, Nairi's son, Nathan, is our first Queensland uh, Indigenous judge. 
So that's a real education. (laughs) Through all the difficulties, stolen generations, Aboriginal protection acts, racism, discrimination, forcible removal from country, how have you managed to maintain a sense of family? And how did Jack Huggins, the man, influence that sense? Well, I think um, our mother, what she instilled in us, um, yeah, keeping those memories alive, but also um, just making us feel proud of who we are. And um, and they, this carried on throughout our life. We'd, um, we would always... She came from a place called Sherberg. Um, she oh, well, sent, sent to there. And um, we'd go back and visit our grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins, and um, just knowing that was there as well. And then in um, later life with, with um, our children, uh, my husband, Rod, is from Moorabinda, which is another Aboriginal settlement, and um, keeping that... Um, those um, connections going with the family, I guess, and um, and just when they come down, a break away from the community, our our homes were always welcome to them to come down. But yeah, I guess they came from yeah. Dad's life was very different to Mum's, and he never did. But Mum wanted to keep that memory alive for us about who we are, and um, yeah, I think he'd be. He would have been very proud of her that um, she did, yeah. Because he 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 grew up there. He was the only only Aboriginal child growing up there, in in probably air in those days. Went to school. You see a photo of him in our book. He's the only Aboriginal child in a cl- big class in those days. He was obviously a remarkable man and quite tough, as I understand it. And that draws me to my final question. And it's for Jackie. I understand you're Jackie Hardhead. How did you get that name? Yes. <laughs> oh, oh well, that's a that's a that's a nice nice, but not a nice story. I was um, uh, my mother has always said, and my father, you know, that I was uh, uh, pretty much a hardhead. And uh, one day. Um, uh, Nairi and I were gardening, <laughs> so-called, out um, in our garden in Soper Street area, our, our home. We would have been just nearly, you know, two and three around that time because it was the year um, our father had passed. I, I would never listen to Nairi, I big sister. Yeah, I thought, no. And she said, well, um, Jackie, move away or I'll hit you on this head with a hoe. And I just kept singing and laughing to myself. Next minute, the hoe cra- came oh. crashing down <laughs> on my head and I still bear the scar today. It's about a four-inch scar in my head. Uh, <laughs> luckily, our father um, scooped me up and took me to the hospital. And uh, I must say, I must hand over to Nori about how did you feel then, Nori? Oh, I felt really guilty. I can remember just sitting on the steps, really upset for what I did because I'm, I was always the soft one. So sitting down, think I nearly killed my sister. I hope I didn't kill my sister because I didn't know at that time when she was rushed up there. 
And um, anyway, she must have been fine, came home, and, but not long after that, this is why she gets hard-headed as well. She's climbing outside, climbing near a lemon tree, when an, and a thorn went straight into the head, the hard-headed we call her, but... Um, but just very strong will like our mother. Oh, and I must <laughs> tell you a little quick story. Uh, a couple of years ago, before COVID, of course, I was in um, Italy with my son, John Henry Huggins, uh, the fifth. And um, we were dining at this little cafe and, and um, next minute I wanted to go to the toilet, fell over, smashed my head on the floor. I had a huge, huge bump, but we were flying back to Australia the next day. And nothing was going to let me stop me from actually flying on that plane back home because we're getting pretty homesick by then. So I, I put ice, an ice pack, slept on it all night. The lump was still there for weeks and weeks later, but came back to Dr. Reese. It's all clear, no problem. So I do have a hard head group. Very. <laughs> it seems like that hard head has come in handy more than once. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Jackie and Nari, it's been wonderful to talk to you. And I want to thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you, Greg. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks for having us, Greg. I've been talking to Jackie Huggins and Nari Jarrow about the new book, Jack of Hearts, QX11594. It's published by Magabala Books, and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.